Yes, so this program was originated to focus on visibility, compliance, and control. Hmm. There's no mention of cost. It was focused to initially address visibility, compliance, and control. Maybe control is the cost. So you can't achieve cost management or cost improvement if you can't see yep. your population and your processes and your systems. So you, you must achieve control first. You have to establish in the order, what do I have in my ecosystem? Visibility. Mm -hmm. We're talking about labor. You know, work execution, mm -hmm. compliance, mm -hmm. labor markets, right? Regulatory issues. Mm -hmm. Then you talk about control because you have the first two elements in place. Yep. Once that system is established and that baseline is established, now you can start to process improve. Hello and welcome to season two of Bots and Thoughts, the hyper automation podcast sponsored by Salient Process. I'm your host, Jimmy Hewitt, a.k.a. Mr. Automation. Hello, bots and thoughters. The team and I at Salient Process are thrilled to bring you a new special guest from the 2023 OPEX Conference, Lisa Williams. She is the Senior Director of Corporate Global Contract Labor Strategy, all of which we'll unpack during the show, with Dow Chemical. During our conversation, Lisa and I touch on the many careers she's had within her 25-year and counting run with Dow Chemical, from mechanical engineering now through to running a global program responsible for managing over $3 billion worth of contract labor, and the secret sauce behind keeping this large cross-functional team dedicated to solving a large problem worth solving over the course of several years. I am thrilled to bring you all Lisa Williams from Dow. Um, remind me where you're, where you live? Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. Mm -hmm. And were you always in Houston or? Uh, most of my, I'm a native Houstonian, but. Is that um, where the pop was? Uh, yes, really? it was. Okay, it's it's well. a park near downtown Houston. Uh -huh. Um, but yeah, I've been, me remember it. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I've got COVID, yeah. but, um, I've, uh, I've lived there most of my life. I've lived a couple of other places with Dow, um, one being our headquarters in Mid Midland, Michigan, but mm -hmm. most of my life has been in Houston. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you're a, a career woman with Dow. Yes, I am. I, I have been there for 25 years. So I worked yeah, for yeah. a couple of different companies, uh, while I was in undergrad, uh, and yeah, undergrad. And then I decided to uh, join Dow. Dow actually provided scholarship for both undergrad and grad school for wow. me. So um, there's a bit of a legacy there. Yeah. Um, I had family members that worked at Dow, oh. um, but I still had the choice. And I remember in the selection process, it was the culture of the company mm -hmm. um, that really brought me back full time. And I've been there for 25 years because of the same culture. Tell me more about that culture. What, what does it feel like? It feels like home wow. and it feels like family. Mm. And I will be honest, there have been a couple of times in that 25 years where I've been lured away uh, with the promise of a different opportunity. Sure. And uh, because you always want to know your value in the market, you explore them. But lucky for me, they never panned out. Mm -hmm. um, I, I ended up staying now for the 25 years, and I absolutely want to end this version of my career with Dow. 
I fully believe I will have at least one more, if not two more careers after that. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Well, you've had many careers already, starting with, what was it, a, a degree in mechanical engineering, mm -hmm. master's manufacturing, management and supply chain. Mm -hmm. Your first role at Dow was mechanical design, then global planning leader, global supply chain planner, inventory management, senior inventory management, ERP planning. I'd love to hear from you what <laughs> what your take on your career from graduating college. You knew you had the job mm -hmm. because of the scholarship. That's nice. Mm -hmm. What's your kind of story as you move through move through Dow? Sure. I my story may sound a bit unique in that all of that was actually planned. Hmm. I remember in my junior year at Prairie View, um, getting that BS in mechanical engineering, as much as I love engineering, and that's present tense because I will always be an engineer at my core, I, I knew I didn't want to do that forever. So in my junior year of undergraduate, I started to research graduate schools. And I wanted something that would teach me about the bigger world and not just an MBA or something very business specific, but I didn't want it to be solely engineering. So that master's in manufacturing management, which, which, which was a great sweet spot. Penn State was only one of three schools at that time that offered a supply chain related degree. Supply chain didn't even exist yet. It was still the logistics industry. Mm -hmm. And I've always in my life wanted to do things to give me more options, whatever that means, more options. Mm -hmm. So getting that degree and then starting my career at Dow, one of the first things I learned at Dow was that my career was in my hands. Even back in 1998, the company made us as employees understand we are here to support your ambitions and your career and your development, but it's ultimately up to you. So I took that to heart. And you'll notice I moved functions several times. Mm -hmm. There are some business, different business moves in there as well, because my goal was to get as much exposure about the big picture of the company as I could and meet as many different people as I could so that within five years of my career, wherever they dropped me in the company, I may not be an expert, but I certainly wouldn't be alone. And I know what to do, or at least know how to get started and know how to find people to help supplement me until I came into my own. But I always wanted to do things that gave me more and more options. Of those roles you've served, mm -hmm. different business functions you've been in, I'm curious what has been your favorite and why? You know, I have to say the role I'm in now, hmm. because it didn't exist before now, oh, wow. the, the corporate strategy for contract labor we are creating did not exist. And this is for a significant portion of our company spend. I believe- Three, three or five billion. Up, upwards of three, toward the five, depending on the year. Mm -hmm. It's a lot, yeah. and it's a significant portion of big our number. population, big number. Mm -hmm. And while we managed it well in the silos around the company, the external marketplace and the global economy is forcing us to do something very different. And for something this big in your organization, you've got to have a strategic enterprise-wide, not only view, but management to pull the levers when you need to, right? So this role didn't exist because this entity, this strategy didn't exist. Mm -hmm. And my multifaceted background 
as well as my networks in the company and exposure and relationships with senior leaders, yeah. I think were the things that allowed me to be the successful candidate in getting this particular role to lead this team and this strategy because it was highly coveted and very competitive to get. Um, but this this is this is my favorite opportunity because this is the one I dreamed about. I didn't know what it was. Mm. But I dreamed about in my career and all of those other moves were of the latter steps to yeah. get to this place. Now, I see some much bigger things coming, which is why I'm interested wow. in this podcast and this opportunity and learning from organizations like yourself and people like you, Jimmy. There, there's We are barely scratching the surface. We are just getting our data and our processes and systems in order and aligned. The optimization of all that is yeah. what's next. Sure. Yeah. So I'm already thinking about what's next. Mm -hmm. You're always thinking about what's next. <laughs> I think that's a thing. <laughs> so you're the senior director of corporate global contract labor strategy, managing uh, a portfolio of over three billion dollars worth of contract labors. And dumb question, but we're to referring to subcontractors that are not Dow employees but are still helping progress the down the chain. Absolutely. This is the entire non-employee workforce. workforce. Okay. And I love that you said, you obviously get it, they are advancing our mission, our goals and objectives, and mm -hmm. we don't directly control that workforce. Mm -hmm. So we've got to strategically influence it. Mm -hmm. We have to have a plan for it. Um, we have to make the best use of it. But we also have to be the desired owner operator of choice. We have to be good to work with. Sure. Because just like our customers, these supply companies have a choice in who they accept contracts from. Mm -hmm. So there's that. I have a million questions. I want to start with, did you influence this role's creation? Or did it come to you? Or somewhere in between? The role was actually uh, drafted by um, our executive leadership team. And one of the things I most love about this opportunity is that it was created from a directive of our board of directors. So all they, the they all the way up, right? So they, they said, this is a thing that we need to go invest in. We know we do it well, but we want to do it better. And said executive leadership team, charter a full-time team. Team. A team with a leader. So there were, it, and it's a cross-functional team, so we all have role descriptions. Um, but obviously, as we got into the roles and understood the totality of what we were being asked to do, those roles evolved. But I would say we are doing, as, a, as individuals, as a team, as a collective body with a governing council, we are doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing in this moment. And it is first because of the vision of our executive leadership, the empowerment, they gave to me and this team and the continued advocacy and support over the last two years. Mm -hmm. We have stayed a dedicated team yep. and we will be a dedicated team into next year as we launch the, the first phase of the implementation. That, that stuff doesn't happen. No, that's it does great. not happen in companies. It yeah. just doesn't. So we are proof that when you have a problem to solve this big, dedicate a team, put your best people on it, and continue to advocate. Yeah. So two-part question. One is how 
diverse from a skill set is your team. Mm -hmm. Are they all strategy and ops folks? I imagine no. And part two is how do you define the charter? I'd imagine that there is a cost optimization component mm -hmm. naturally, but I'm imagining that there's also other pillars mm -hmm. to your charter, right. like attracting the right contractors and retaining them. Oh. Um, so how diverse is the team from a skill set perspective and what are the, the pillars of your, your team's mission and charter? Yes, the team is, is filled with high performing individuals from various functions. We have, in addition to myself, and I also represent the operations function, um, manufacturing and engineering operations. We have um, IT, mm. we have human resources, mm. we have procurement, wow. integrated supply chain, mm -hmm. finance, R&D, environmental contract. health and safety. Wow. Yeah, um, and then we also have legal. Sure. It is a cross-functional yeah, team. That's cross, cross, cross. cross I was expecting all the HR, major. I was expecting finance, I was expecting, well, I know you and your operations and strategy, mm -hmm. but there's some real shockers in there. But they shouldn't be shockers because contract labor serves our entire company. The entire company. That being said, you have to have voice and input, particularly in the design and build phase of a new strategy meaningful input, consistent input. Once you establish the strategy and the operating model and the implementation plan, some of those functional roles will go to the forefront because they are either you know, owning the strategy or they are a major enabler of the strategy like your IT systems and procurement um, or other major users of the strategy like operations and integrated supply chain and R&D, mm -hmm. right? But all of those functions represent the, the governance of contract labor in the company. Yeah, it's right? like a microcosm of, of the whole picture. It's the whole picture. Uh, what about the mission? Yes, so this program was originated to focus on visibility, compliance, and control. Mm. There's no mention of cost. It was focused to initially address visibility, compliance, and control. Maybe control is the cost. So you can't achieve cost management or cost improvement if you can't see yep. your population and your processes and your systems. So you, you must achieve control first. You have to establish in the order, what do I have in my ecosystem? Visibility. Mm -hmm. We're talking about labor. You know, work execution, mm -hmm. compliance, mm -hmm. labor markets, right? Regulatory issues. Mm -hmm. Then you talk about control because you have the first two elements in place. Yep. Once that system is established and that baseline is established, now you can start to process improve, which is one of the reasons why I'm here at this conference. OPEX. OPEX, right? But again, we are just implementing our strategic plan now. It's going to take another 18 months before we see that stabilization, but I'm already thinking about, because I have full faith in my team and the plan that we've assembled, that's, that's going to be a cakewalk. The next big piece is the return on investment. So what systems do we need to improve the workflows, the data accuracy and integrity, so we can get to places of more automation? 
Is that where IT is going to come in? I'm curious what their influence and IT is has been cornerstone and at the center heartbeat of this entire program at the very beginning. So when you have a fully when you have a charter team by your executives with a cross-functional membership and a clear charter, you know that systems are going to be a part of your solution. This yes. is 2023. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It requires investment. It requires improvement. It is usually not easy and fun, but it is an absolute must do. So any any organization out there that is trying to improve anything without IT systems, good luck with that. It won't work. So no, IT has been at the core of understanding how we use contract labor today versus how we should be using it more optimally mm -hmm. and how to digitally enable that process enable that in our systems. Mm -hmm. So we've just selected our enabling IT mm -hmm. um, in the form of a vendor management system. So mm -hmm. one source of truth for mm -hmm. our contract labor, just like we have for the Dow Directs, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we will spend the next 12 to 18 months implementing that. Mm -hmm. But IT had to be there, all the functions had to be there from the beginning because you have to understand the culture of how we use this labor, right? Mm -hmm. Why we use it the way we use it, the 75 different systems we use today yep. to try to manage it. Are those and, getting ripped out and replaced by a single labor management? So is there going to be integration of the existing systems, a little bit in between? Yes, there will be a hybrid approach over time because we are also trying to be as least disruptive yep. as possible to our organization. But this is not something that's going to stretch out for 10 years. A lot of those 75 systems are older and obsolete. Mm -hmm. So we have worked most of their features and functionality that are highly manual and unpredictable into this new management system. Yep. Great. Our, our end users are going to be very, very happy come fourth quarter of 2024 and, and future. Yeah, there's going to be tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars in licensing savings on those 75, um, not to mention hosting and support costs that you'll save by, you know, one by one ripping out those 75 systems. And well, and, and, in, and a lot of it is, is homegrown, right? Yeah. So now you have That's individuals who are maintaining these systems and it's maybe no longer in their professional wheelhouse to do so, or their, yeah. or their expertise wheelhouse, yeah. or but they're doing like it. Cobol or green screen and, and those resources are retiring. Right. And they're retiring and you cannot replace them. Yeah. So you have people that will be freed. Yeah. to go do bigger and better things, yeah. right? They don't you want have to maintain green archaic systems that should have gone away a long time ago. And, th and this is not pie in the sky, Lisa being optimistic. This is real. This is what is about to happen in another 12 to 18 months. Yeah. It's a very exciting time. I believe that is, or what role does process mapping play in the cutover, if you will? Are you mapping yes. the systems to your processes? Yes which would require, if I may, a 3D process map of the squares and diamonds overlaid with the systems, the inputs and outputs, the data flows, the architecture, mm -hmm. the infrastructure, mm -hmm. uh, the swim lanes, mm -hmm. the milestones, mm -hmm. 3D. Do you have a favorite platform for process mapping? We, we don't for this program. Are so you still in the defining stage before you get into the hardcore process mapping and definition. So, so our process mapping will happen at least in two generations. Mm -hmm. And I love that you're you're using the three-dimensional perspective yeah. on process mapping because it is absolutely that. Yeah. We are, so our enabling technology provider, our, our big BMS partner, as well as another partner, 
will help us do our process mapping. We've done it two-dimensionally in-house. And Visio, it's, um, SOPs, outlines. We've actually used uh, some Visio, mm -hmm. standard operating procedures, yes, uh, to get the baseline process mapping done. And mm -hmm. our technology partners told us to stop. Good. Because that's it's enough. They, they said it's too deep. We've got something. We are just now starting those talks with them, so I'm not sure what platform they're using. Sure. Whatever that platform is, it's going to get us through implementation. As typical, Jimmy, I'm thinking about what comes after that. Mm -hmm. So we get through 12 to 18 months of implementation. We will have this in-house solution, but now I'm going to start asking the questions about, okay, we have our processes mapped. Hopefully they're three-dimensional. Required to be three-dimensional. Required to be three-dimensional. The labor markets are changing. The economic factors internally and externally are changing. So now how can we tweak that process? Because yeah. we've got to have all the inputs and outputs connected to make sure we don't break anything. Um, and that you know we, we're informed with numbers now and perspectives that we didn't even have even 12 months ago because the process is now three-dimensionally enabled. Yep. What can we do with it now? And then the next evolution is how do we maintain those process maps? How do we update them regularly? How do we ensure that they don't grow stale? That is always one of my pet peeves. So yeah. my career started 25 years ago in operational excellence and improvement. Right, That was part of my master's degree. I got a six thing with black belt, drank the Kool-Aid and all that. OPEX has also been at my core. Mm -hmm. And one of my biggest frustrations in industry in general is that I don't care how much we talk about process automation, AI, the future, chat, GPT, whatever. Yeah. It all is rooted in the process itself, which I Amen. believe in one of your previous podcast episodes, you mentioned it's it's when you, add, when you build a process and you're learning from a human, it is that person's interpretation of the process. Yep. Not fully accurate of the process itself, which mm -hmm. has to depend on the system clicks, the numbers, the data, the digital interactions to okay. get the real process. All right, Lisa. Okay, so <laughs> I have always been a fan of your camp, well, and nice. I will always be an advocate in my company and whatever the future holds is you have to system enable your process so you can depend on the real process and not the human interpretation of it in silos. Yeah. So I okay. hope I answered your question, you but my brain for this contract labor strategy is always already in the year 2025 and 2026. Yeah. Yeah. How are we going to make sure that the processes we invest to map now stay current and accurate? Well, that is the question. And have you heard of process mining? Yes. What are your thoughts on process mining? I have not seen, I know we do it, I'm sure we do it in Dow. Sure. Um, my career has, my, my last you know five or six yeah. years of career have not been we're in IT. pretty deep in that. Yeah, we're getting yeah. deep in that too. One of my colleagues would be better seated for these next five minutes probably. No, but, no. but we can um, talk about process. Later, <laughs> but, but no, I, I am a fan, I am an advocate, and I now, again, as the team, as the leader of this team and this strategy, thinking about where are we going to process mine. So even now, as we are in uh, build and implementation phase, I'm looking at our process flows. I'm listening to the features and functionality that are going to come with our data management system. And I'm thinking, where are we going to be able to data mine? Where do we need to data mine? 
where are we not going to get the features and functionality for the data mining we know we need? And there are reasons why we won't be able to get everything we want right now, right? But I'm already thinking about what are those things because we need them at some point, how and when are we going to get them? And let's try to set up whatever system we have now as much as possible to adapt to that future. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm listening for in some of these uh, systemic design sessions. To me, process mining is the answer to ensuring that your process models mm -hmm. remain up to date. Mm -hmm. It does require some ETL, some data extraction, mm -hmm. transformation, and load mm -hmm. from the data source, mm -hmm. the transaction history log, mm -hmm. if you will, of your systems, perhaps your labor management system, through the pipeline into the process mining platform. But once you've done that, ETL work and it's set up there. your dashboards, it's there, it's there, and your process maps are living and breathing. You can see them move and change. You set your KPIs at the different gateways, and you can set thresholds on your KPI Reaching gateways. Yeah. Process mining, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for your success with process mining. But we have to get there. We yeah, have to get and that's there. the question. Do you want to process mine backwards? or wait until you have enough data in your new labor management platform to then mine off of that to ensure compliance and uh, performance and control for yeah. sure. Yeah. So that's the open question. Um, I'm curious, you have been uh, responsible, you are responsible for many wins in operational excellence and process improvement. I'm wondering if you could talk us through one of your one of your full circles. Mm -hmm. um, so, what was the situation when you came in? What happened during, and then what was the result coming out of uh, of one of your favorite wins? Full circle moment. Full circle. Moment. And I would I would say again, it, it's associated with this program, uh, as you can imagine. A program of this magnitude being chartered by the executive leadership team gets a lot of visibility. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and a lot of progress reporting is required. Mm -hmm. I am fortunate in this role where I get to interact with uh, global directors and functional senior vice presidents on a pretty regular basis, right? Not only providing updates of the program, but still getting their coaching and their guidance about where we're going and, and the kinds of problems our solution has to be ready to solve. We were, we were good in that, again, we had a we had senior leadership advocacy in the beginning of the program. Mm -hmm. But anyone who's led a program like this or aspires to a role like this one day must understand caring for and communicating to leaders at that level. It can be a slippery slope mm. because, again, your your cross functional needs are different. Their views on the importance of how, how contract labor is important to the corporation is different. And you really need to spend some time understanding their stories and their motivations and making sure it, it plays into the strategy and the implementation you're building. I mentioned operations, procurement, human resources, finance, oh. art, all of them, right? So early in the program, with their input, we started to design and build, and we maybe moved a little bit away from providing updates to them. Mm -hmm. And they lost visibility to what we were doing. And we were still on the right track, but then they started to question, yeah. what are you guys doing? We haven't yep. talked to you in five months. I haven't seen an update. We haven't seen an update. Oh, yeah. That was tricky. 
and a big learning because there were some mixed messages about what the program was doing, um, getting to those levels of the organization. It was just misunderstanding, right? It was just, are you guys really focused on A and B and not thinking about C? No, we're actually focused on A, B, and C, but are you doing them equally? Well, we've prioritized that the whole story of what we've been doing, we hadn't told because we were so busy working. Yep. It's down, right? It's easy to miss that it's final piece of communication. That final, and that consistent piece of communication. Yes. So we were course corrected. We sure. had to have a pretty big meeting with some of those senior leaders, and they've always been very supportive. They sure. were just like, just keep us in the loop and yeah. let us know what you're doing. Yeah. And remember, the corporation's directives are changing. The, the world is volatile right now. So we may need to course correct you in something that you didn't see two months ago. And they actually did. Yeah. You know, we had to take a portion of our program that was focused on some short-term wins we needed to make in a difficult financial year yep. and we were able to provide insight to make a decision yep. but we weren't thinking about that we yep. were busy designing and building for the future yep. so that course correction happened um our team we were we survived it um, because in general we were still doing the right thing but it was an uncomfortable couple of months yeah. in going back and forth with those leaders and then myself as a team leader trying to keep the team focused because they get worried. Oh, the senior leaders are upset, or they're they're you know they're not happy. They don't understand our direction. What should we do? What should we do? And my message to the team was: stay focused. Yeah. Keep doing what you're doing. Right. This one is my fault. Yeah. My fault. Let me take the fall for this one. I will go and deal with the leadership. But you stay focused. And we were able to work through it. And the full mm -hmm. circle moment just happened in the last month or so, where our team was given full authorization for the 2024 plan we requested. Nicely done. Um, which is a cool moment. Yes, nicely done. <laughs> um, thank That's you very great. much. We were given full authorization and I appreciate that celebration moment because it is absolutely the momentum we need yep. to get this thing done right. And there are so many, so many initiatives and programs out there that have gotten to this point and have lost their momentum or their funding or their prioritization yeah. because there are a lot of important things happening in companies right now and they just don't get to the finish line. And so this was our first finish line. It absolutely breaks my heart when oh. either a client or just a just a, an offhand story like yours sounds like they, well, you didn't lose funding, but when they lose funding, oh, it, it's a, it's a, it's a tough one when that happens, and even worse when when jobs are are affected. And you know, something I think a lot about in, in terms of how can I, you know, not only help my clients keep their job, but to you know get them promoted and increase the the impact of their their yeah. automation or continuous improvement mission. Um, I think communication is a big one. Results reporting. Bad news early is good news. Mm -hmm. and your great. boss actually can help you. They, they have been there, done that. Absolutely. That's why they're your boss. That's why they're they there. can help you guide, and they That's can't right. guide if we aren't communicating. That's right. uh, what else do you hang this win on aside from communication? Oh, a phenomenal team. I honestly, I could not imagine being on this journey with a different group of people. This. This team, every single person on this team, and I'm not only talking about the program team, like we do the, the work, right? But we have a level above us, which is our governing council. 
and the level above, which are the executive vice presidents, the executive sponsors. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about over 20 people yeah. who are at, at multiple levels of the organization yeah. who are all in. Mm -hmm. And I mean all in, advocating at all levels mm -hmm. with the right expertise, the right influence across the organization, the right exposure. And then we just have a collect a collection of good humans just good people who want to do the right thing. They've got the right expertise. So we're not suffering from a talent standpoint or a motivation or an inspiration. Now granted, we get tired. Sure. There's, there's a plus to being fully dedicated to a program for two years and then there's also <laughs> the fatigue factor, right? But that's when you go back to leaning on each other as a team for the motivation and, and the excitement and the commitment. So I, this was just, um, a sweet spot for this company and this particular opportunity. I have to give full shout out to the executives who picked us yeah. because we none of us ever met before, so mm -hmm. we didn't know each other before this opportunity, mm -hmm. sure. and we've been able to do some amazing things. That's really cool. Yeah. What yeah. a great story. Yeah. Um, getting into the rapid fire question sure. portion here, I'm curious, what's a mentality that you would offer to maybe not your team, but folks who are listening to this show and they want to be like Lisa, uh, maybe they're younger in their mm -hmm. career, sure. what, what mentality might you offer to them? I would say understanding who you are as a person and what grounds you. We just live in a really crazy world these days yep. and um, I, we're coming off the heels of mental health and awareness season. Yes. So, big big, uh, yes, yes, just understanding at all stages of life, it's important to self-reflect, mm -hmm. have good people around you to help you self-reflect, um, and, and know that you have resources available to you, particularly if you work for a really good company or even if you're an entrepreneur with really good insurance. Just using all of those resources available to you to better cope and deal with the world so that whatever your chosen profession is, it's a little easier for you to explore that and invest it and really meet all your hopes and dreams because the other aspects of your life are in balance as much as possible. And it doesn't mean that your life is always going to be in balance and always going to be perfect. I'm saying do what you need to do to be a centered, grounded, happy human and everything else seems to fall in place. Thanks for listening to another episode of Bots and Thoughts, the hyper-automation podcast sponsored by Salient Process. Be sure to never miss an episode by hitting that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this. Don't forget to connect and interact with us. You can find us on Bots and Thoughts' own LinkedIn page. And we're constantly running feedback surveys and ask that if you've made it this far in the episode, show us some love by responding to a survey and following us on LinkedIn. Finally, if you or someone you know would like to be a special guest on the show, we have a nomination form also down in the description for you to fill out. And with that, see you next episode and happy automating.